I'm Grant. I'm Elena. And welcome to Haunted Honeys. <laughs> the podcast where a married couple teaches each other about spookums in the past. Bleh. <laughs> <laughs> it's supposed to be a vampire noise, not, not like indigestion. <laughs> That's right. We are making our inaugural recording from the JJ the Horse-Faced Horse Memorial Studio. We should get a sign. <laughs> I want I want a plaque. <laughs> I want to christen this place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. But it's not just any old day to come back. In fact, it's not even a Tuesday. I will get a frame that is engraved by things remembered and put that fan art in of JJ. That's right, dear. It is spookum season. It's spookum seasons, my favorite time of year. The time of year when it is okay to talk about spooky things mm-hmm. and usually a lot of murder and We'd poisoning. We'd be more successful if we talked exclusively about murder, just looking at the podcast ecosystem. I mean, half the time that's what I talk about. <laughs> I talk about murder or like paper clips. <laughs> There's no in between. Well, I guess Disney's in between. Because of the murder. Because of the murder. So, uh, yeah, we've been gone for a while. We've missed you. I hope you're excited. We're back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're here, ready to go. Bleh. <laughs> <laughs> for our annual Spookums episode. Which I am not allowed to do. We've been over this. You took Valen Crimes this past <laughs> year, and I will never forgive you for that, and you never get it again. You are not getting Spookums. It is mine. There will be murder if you try to take it. Okay? Okay. So this year, we are uh, looking at uh, spooky places in Detroit, Michigan. So we went from a city to a state to a continent to a city. Is there a cycle? (laughs) No. Okay. There's absolutely no rhyme or reason to this (laughs) at all. Um, So first up. Uh, we are going to talk about uh, 500 Temple Street, which mm-hmm. is also known as the Detroit Masonic Temple. Okay. Have you ever been there? When I lived in Metro Detroit, I was I was a little fella. Mm-hmm. I, I was knee high to a grasshopper in those days. Like maybe, but I certainly don't have memories of it. I'm pretty sure I have been there, but I don't actually remember it. But uh, the, the Masonic Temple is not just, I, I guess, a temple where Masonic people hang out and, and brag about whatever they do. But but it's a performance venue, yes? Yes, it actually has multiple stages. It actually right. has the, for a while, was the largest stage in America, but now it's considered the third largest stage <laughs> um, by size of, like, the actual stage, the amount of space performers get. Okay, so it's a square footage thing, not a, not a length thing or... Like, I, I how much volume it displaces in water? I'm not exactly sure of like, <laughs> okay, how does it compare to the other ones? But I do know it's like a hundred feet wide. That's a lot of stage. Yeah, um, that theater actually see originally it sat I think it was five thousand people, mm-hmm. but they had to remove some seats, so now it's about forty five hundred. That's still massive. Yeah. Um, so spoilers, we're telling you it still exists and it's still used. Um, the, the theaters are actually, uh, it gets used a lot. It's, uh, I think it's the Detroit Symphony performs there. There's, I think some of the Broadway tours go through there. Mm -hmm. Um, they have 
like 300 performances a year or something. <laughs> um, so it's 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 a place that's going. And we'll, right. we'll talk more about actually all the stuff it has because this place is huge. Um, it is actually the largest Masonic temple in the world since uh, 1939, which is when the Chicago Masonic temple was demolished. Ah, we, we overthrew our secret overlords. Yes. Um, the Chicago one was actually the tallest building in Chicago from 1895 to 1899. Mm -hmm. And it was apparently demolished because they were making the State Street subway huh, system. Okay. Like, it was going to cost too much money to, like, f basically make the foundation work with a subway running under it. So they just took out the building. So they just demolished the building. It is now where that Walgreens is. Okay. That's next to the Joffrey. That's it's like Randolph and State. Yeah, yeah, and, and the Chicago Theater and yes, yeah, that's where the Masonic Temple was. Okay, but yeah, since then the Detroit one has been the largest. When they were building it, uh, they raised like two point five million dollars to do it, which is like thirty two million now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Which actually wasn't quite enough money because they never finished a few things in it. Spoilers. <laughs> I was gonna say that seems pretty cheap for such a massive building, a, a building that still has world records in size categories. They never finished the Olympic size swimming pool. Ah, uh, there you go. So, which was one of two pools. <laughs> So uh, the building uh, was designed by uh, George D. Mason, uh, who's actually... Nepotism. I know. I was like, did he like... I actually was very... Like, is this a coincidence? <laughs> did he like do the... More coincidence. Um, he's actually responsible for a ton of well-known Detroit and Michigan-based buildings, um, including the Grand Hotel on Mackinac Island. He was one of the two designers for that. Um, Call back to episode one, the world's largest porch. Right. Uh, that you're not allowed to take pictures of. And you have to have a dress code. Just jerks. Um, and he's also responsible for the Belle Isle Aquarium. Okay. Which is cool. And then a lot of other buildings and churches within Detroit. It took them six years to, from like turning the first shovel of dirt mm -hmm. um, until they were... Uh, done enough to dedicate the building. Uh, it has over a thousand rooms, uh, public spaces, as I mentioned, like the three theaters. It also has three ballrooms and banquet halls, a drill hall, a bowling alley, a pool hall, as I mentioned, plans for swimming pools. And then it has offices, dining spaces, and uh, hotels. I would call that done enough. Yeah, like you have done enough. It is huge like the masonic <laughs> temple is huge they only use like a fraction of it mm -hmm. now it is said like if there is a godzilla attack all of detroit could just go into the masonic temple and then it blasts off into space like preserving the, the populace yes <laughs> um i'm pretty sure that there you know if there's like a nuclear attack you could also just go into the masonic temple and there's probably some like crazy hallways and tombs below it that you'll be fine in you just go in the unfinished olympic pool it's lead lined don't know why <laughs> on the sixth floor <laughs> I only saw it in like one article um, about it, but that the pool mm -hmm. was apparently like kind of the first of its kind with like being built how it was on the level it was of the building. 
for the size it was. You don't expect an upstairs pool, no. No. Especially back then. Like mezzanine at the highest. (laughs) Sixth floor? (laughs) Okay. Our spooky story here. Yes. Is that it is said by many that uh, there there is a ghost that is often seen wandering the hallways and and going up the stairs Mm -hmm. um, up to the roof. Security guards always say that they they see this, they they think it's someone, they go to investigate, and it's gone, and it's always someone going upstairs, a man going upstairs. Mm-hmm. Um, and the stories go that it is uh, George Mason, actually, the architect, uh-huh. who uh, jumped to his death from the roof after he went bankrupt and his wife left him. Now, did that Which actually would happen? be a cool story if he didn't die in his home like in 1948 instead I knew it. I knew at the it. age of 91 <laughs> is anytime you search Detroit hauntings or ghost stories or anything mm-hmm. it comes up as one of the most haunted places the most ooh and there's this ghost and there's someone dumped, jumped to their death that's the only ghost story, is one that has been proven to be wrong. <laughs> you know, if Detroit's most haunted building only has one ghost, <laughs> even if it has that one ghost, they're doing pretty good. I mean, it's not its most haunted, but it's always on, like, the top ten list. Okay, mm-hmm, there are mm-hmm. definitely places that have more dead people. <laughs> There's lots of old abandoned hospitals. There sure, is, sure. you know, Fort, the Fort. Mm-hmm. What's it called? Fort Wayne. Ah, yes. Fort Wayne uh, is, you know, soldiers and stuff died there. So, mm-hmm. like, obviously, it's very haunted. But Masonic Temple always pops up. And I'm like, that's all you got for me is one dude who did not jump from the roof. Are you sure you're haunted and it's not just a guy going to, to the room he's squatting in? You have a thousand unused rooms. Right? So that's a little disappointing. But they get better. (laughs) (laughs) I love to be assured in the middle of my podcast episode, it's okay. It gets better. (laughs) But, uh, you know, it had to be included. I I like that people are just so desperate for this giant ass building that looks like it should be completely haunted by everything to Mm -hmm. be haunted. That... (laughs) You know, they say a dude died years before he did. It's just haunted by jealousy of the Rockettes down the road at the Fox Theater. But, again, as we gave away, the temple still stands. You can go to it. You can go, well, not right now, because COVID, but you could, like, go see shows there. Um, Could have a wedding there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Only a portion of the building is currently in use. There's, like, 85,000 square feet that... They're redeveloping, they're they're refurbishing, they're renovating. A lot of um, places to hide a guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they actually started those renovations like two years ago. So who knows? Maybe they'll find dead bodies and we'll get new ghost stories as they start to use more parts of the building. Mm-hmm. You got you better watch out because you might find Tilda Swinton and Tom Hiddleston in there just <gasps> laying around. My dream. That's my dream. That's my dream. Uh, so just down the street from there, uh, at uh, 112 Temple Street, mm-hmm. is a six-story boarded-up apartment building uh, that used to be called the Alhambra. 
Ooh. Um, and it was built in the late 1890s. From the uh, news article from January 25th, 1905, like titled, Poisoning is Mania of Woman. Like woman in general or one specific one? One specific. Okay, that's good because I eat food you prepare all the time. <laughs> uh, so the article said, Evidence was brought to light which convinces police that Rose Barron is the most heartless monomaniac ever arrested. She administered arsenic uh, within the last few months to members of the families, or to members of 10 families in Detroit, many of whom almost died. Did she bury them in the basement? Did she have a son named Teddy and another <laughs> named Jonathan? Yes. Rose uh, Barron did uh, poison multiple families within the apartment building. She killed two people. And uh, during her trial, her attorney tried to say that the building just had bad plumbing. <laughs> and that was the source. And that was the source of the poisoning. It's not so unbelievable now, is it, though? Is it? I mean, no. No. But, no. Um, but the thing is, her uh, father-in-law had also died of arsenic poisoning, um... Not that far in the past. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so, like, it's a little suspicious that, like, everyone around you is dying of arsenic. Mm -hmm. This is a little weird. Uh, but even so, she was acquitted. That apartment building eventually became a hotel and then went back to being apartments. Um, and it has sat vacant for years. You're not supposed to go into it. Uh -huh, uh -huh. But uh, reports of those who have, you know broken in, uh, say that they spot a lot of uh, really weird orby lights uh, <laughs> and also hear a lot of strange noises that shouldn't exist. So this is a haunting story brought to you by, by the urban explorer crowd. Yes. Ah, okay. Yes. Um, so it, it is said to be very haunted. It also makes it onto all the lists. But again, I'm kind of like, oh, that's a weak story. That's not that great. <laughs> Yeah, what do you got for me, huh? Give, give me the, the real stuff. Give, give me that straight dope. Our next one, mm -hmm. which is much better. <laughs> I need it. I'm waiting. Okay. So at the corner of uh, St. Aubin and Mac in Detroit, according to a news article from 1929, Benjamin Evangelista, 48 years of age, and his wife, Santina, 40, and their four children were found slain in their homes in St. Aubrey Avenue here shortly before noon today, which was on July 3rd. Okay. All apparently were victims of an axe slayer. Ooh. Evangelista's head was completely severed and the heads of each of the others have been crushed. The body of Evangelista, known in the Italian neighborhood as a religious healer and something of a mystic, was found seated behind his desk. Now this is the intrigue I'm, I'm after. Yeah. This is some sort of coven war. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. There's totally a coven here. Lots. Only lover was left alive was like an autobiography. <laughs> of, of who? Not an autobiography. Like a. A documentary? A documentary. Okay. Based on true events. There we go. Uh, this would become known as the St. Aubin Massacre. The home was demolished in 1940, but the lot continues to sit empty. Bum, bum, bum. And the stories go that there is a man without a head, <laughs> often seen walking around the area. 
Maybe it's just somebody with really big shoulder pads. You ever think of that? You're just seeing them from behind. Uh, people also claim to hear children's screams and see weird glows near the site. That's just a rave. Just a rave? Yeah. They're Including sp- the headless man? They're spinning their glow... That's a, that's a rave costume. They're spinning their glow sticks. They, they scream when they're high peaks. I don't know about that. Because this... <laughs> is a pretty messed up murder that we're going to talk about. Detroit is the home of techno music. That's all I'm saying. That's why any to- any Detroit radio station after like 9 p.m. was just like techno remix time. <laughs> um, so, who was Benny? Who were his jets? Uh, so our, our headless ghost here mm-hmm. uh, was born Benjamino Evangelista. In Naples, Italy, in 1885. Uh, He and his older brother, Antonia, uh, immigrated to the U.S. in 1904, uh, around, what, Mm -hmm. 19-ish? Though there are some reports that say he was like 17, is sometime before he was 20. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it was around that time uh, that he started going by Benny, Evangelist. You immigrate, you change your name. That's, sure, that sure. tends to be a thing around that time. You give yourself a job as a last name. Uh, so when they arrived, they first moved to Philadelphia, and they worked as carpenters there. And that's apparently uh, when Benny started to really take an interest in the occult. Ooh. Uh, he claimed to also have visions, and that he talked to and heard from God. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And his brother was really not so into that because they were like Catholic, <laughs> and that's very you know not Catholic, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and kind of disowned him and start stopped like associating with him, and uh, especially as Benny started to claim that he had nightly visions from God and started like writing these visions down as like this is the gospel from God. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So after his brother disowned him, he. <laughs> Moved to York, Pennsylvania for a while, and that's where he met another guy from Naples uh, whose name was Leon Angelino. Uh, And he was about, like, 20 years older than Benny. And together, they both continued their interest in the occult. Yeah. And various religious philosophies, and they got pretty crazy. Plumbing the depths of grimoires... In, engraving sigils of, upon things. Most likely, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. They were going along, having a great time, being <laughs> best buds like that, time. you know... It's seasonal, at the very least. Yes. Uh, so then, in 1919, things changed because Leon decided to attack his wife and kids with an axe. Mm, yeah. Uh, ended up murdering two of his kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he was sent to the Pennsylvania Asylum for the Criminally Insane. And after that, Benny decided to move to Detroit and show up on his brother's doorstep what for a while. Was that conversation like? <laughs> hey, uh, I know you didn't like Leon very much. And please don't say I told you so, but here's what happened. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, he ended up in Detroit, uh, and then he got married, and he started his family, and he got into real estate, and, uh, started his own cult. Uh-huh. That's something you don't hear about at the Masonic Temple, because they don't take kindly to that kind of talk. <laughs> yeah, they're not gonna admit it. They're, they're not gonna tell you that's what they're doing. Uh, so he called it the Union Federation of America, and he self-published their Bible, 
mm-hmm. in uh, 1926, which he called the oldest history of the world. Yet it was the most recently written. <laughs> and it was taken from his visions, uh, which he had been getting for, you know, like almost two decades. Mm-hmm. And uh, he believed that God had contacted him to write down the truest history of the world. Right. Uh, so we this... have to measure our thetans so we can go clear. And this was supposed to be the first of four volumes. <laughs> um, he did not get to volumes two through four. But I did track down, for anyone that's interested, um, someone who has transcribed it into a PDF. And so it's available for your reading enjoyment because it has, like, never been published again. <laughs> who knew why? Some random dude's cult. I have not read it, so I don't know what you'll find there. <laughs> don't judge me if you don't like it. So in addition to his real estate business, um, since he had this cult, mm-hmm. he started offering spiritual healings and, and potions and herbal medicines to, you know, cure people of who knows what. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And uh, he was known for charging about $10 sure, for treatment, sure. which was a lot of freaking money in the 20s. Well, yeah, cults are profitable. Yes. So Benny got rich. He was doing really well. Um, And that's when he bought his home uh, at St. Aubin and Mac. Sure. That is where he created his church, which basically in the basement, he had a desk that served as like an altar. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's also where he saw all his patients. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also where he constructed the Great Celestial Planet Exhibition. I do love a scientifically minded cult leader. Uh, so these were paper mache humans hanging from wires from the ceiling, which apparently were supposed to represent the celestial planets. And then there was like a big eyeball at the center of it all. For like the sun, I guess? Or was he uh, not a heliocentrist? Was the center of the Earth... No, I think I read that it's supposed to be, like, his Bible. Sure. Yeah. Um, there's, like, one picture of it. It's really freaking creepy. <laughs> I can only imagine. People. It's also, like, black and white pictures from the 20s. So it's hard to tell. Is that paper mache or is that, like, a stuffed, like, skin? Yeah. Like, it's, like, those creepy things where I'm like, that Meh. is so unrecognizable. I have no idea what that is. Man. Yeah. Bring back the orbs. I like the orbs. <laughs> I mean, the paper said it was paper mache, but I prefer to think that I they were just to trying think. to, like, you know, not cause panic <laughs> over who are these dead bodies hanging from his basement. I prefer to not think. Bring me the orbs. <laughs> On January 3rd, 1929, the murder day. Happy murder Happy day. Happy murder day. Yay, murder day. <laughs> uh, Vincent Elias, uh, Elias? What, was he one of the Elias brothers of big boy fame? I don't know. Probably not. But what if? Um, So he uh, was also involved in real estate. Maybe it was all the big boy change. I don't know. (laughs) Um, But he would be the one to find Benny in his house at Mm -hmm. his desk. Benny's decapitated head was right on the floor next to him. And, uh, you know, everyone else was murdered upstairs. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the crime scene did not get closed off. Um, It got very contaminated by reporters and neighbors and gawkers. And the only evidence that came from it all was one bloody fingerprint. 
Well, they, they tried to uh, uh, interview the witnesses, but they weren't saying much. Turns out they were made of paper mache. <laughs> you know, it's a mistake anybody could have made. Well, you know, they actually couldn't find any witnesses. <laughs> um, absolutely everyone refused to speak to the cops. Mm-hmm. Um, those that, you know, were his cult followers and his patients didn't talk. They were like, I don't know who that guy is. I don't know what you're talking about. Did they look up Leon, his good friend, known axe murderer Leon? (laughs) So the police uh, did look into a criminal group who had previously threatened Benny. (laughs) Did the group include Leon? No. Okay. Uh, But that was quickly thrown away because the group wasn't really active anymore by by 1929. They kind of parted ways. Um, They also looked into it being connected to a murder of a mother and three children about two weeks prior, but they figured then that there were no connections. Um, And then there are a few other theories that were floating around. Mm -hmm. Uh, So one was that Umberto Umberto Trecchio and Angelo DiPoli did it. That Umberto was the last to see the family um, because he visited the house the night before to make a payment on some property he was buying. All right. If Umberto did it, I'm in his corner. You're in his corner? Yes. Kill all landlords. So both were brought in for questioning, uh, and the police uh, apparently found an axe, a banana knife, and workbook work boots that were apparently too clean. Mm-hmm. So obviously they did it. Well, yeah, I mean... It didn't make the, the papers, but they did kill a banana. Also, the fact that Umberto stabbed his brother-in-law to death about three months earlier was also a reason why they were like, hmm, maybe it was you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if you're like me and you were like, why the hell was he walking around <laughs> if, he, if they know he murdered someone? Well, he claimed it was self-defense. And since the person was dead, there was no one to say otherwise. Officer, it's my word against his, and he's not saying anything, so you gotta let me go. I'm good. Um, So they denied involvement, and uh, they said that, you know, they dropped off the money, and then they went drinking, like you do. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it wasn't them. Uh, Umberto would be arrested again, though, in 1932, because they're like, nope, it was definitely you. Mm -hmm. We got this fingerprint. We're We're gonna check it out. But, like, it didn't match, so they had to release him. And then he died two years later, and apparently they accused him again in 1935. But again, the comparison didn't change. It still wasn't him. Well, now that he's dead, he can't sweet talk his way out of it, can he? Mm. Uh, Another story goes that the night before the murder, Benny called on the watchman of a house that was being demolished and... He was, like, purchasing the the lumber mm-hmm. and said that he would arrange for it to be picked up the next day and delivered to his home. Apparently, he, you know, was supposed to meet the truck the next morning, like, to do this. And right. he was a no-show and the truck was a no-show. And everyone was like, well, what's going on? You know, he didn't show up with the money to mm-hmm. pay us and no one showed up to pick it up. Well, that spells murder to me. I don't uh... Who are they accusing? I don't follow this story at all. It's, they're basically, they were trying to accuse whoever this, like, delivery driver was. Because, well, obviously, since he didn't go to pick up the wood, he just came and, like, killed Benny and took the money he was going to be owed. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't buy it. 
Considering they couldn't, like, figure out what delivery company it was supposed to be or anything else, yeah, I say that's, like, the least likely. <laughs> but that's the one that actually gets published the most in the stories. Sure, fine. Uh, the theory I prefer, and that I think you will also like. Because I mentioned it? Yes, is uh, his good buddy Leon. Uh, there are those who believe that it was Leon. Uh, if you remember, Leon was committed to an asylum after he attacked his own family with an axe. Uh, and that's that's where he was. He, he tried to escape a few times and they caught him and brought him back. But apparently in 1923, he succeeded and was never seen or heard from again. Could he have come to Detroit? He had six years to get there. Did he commit the act that was very similar to the way that he killed his own family? Uh, apparently they ran, uh, the bloody fingerprint to his prints on file in 1930, but it was inconclusive. Inconclusive is closer to a match than Umberto's, at least. Yes. So, I like to think that it was Leon. Mm -hmm. I don't know what his motive would have been, like, hey, you went back to your brother. I'm supposed to be your brother. <laughs> Maybe? Or you wrote your cult book without me. I don't know. I don't know. But it would definitely make it more likely for Benny's ghost to be wandering around yes. if he was betrayed yeah. by his friend. Maybe Leon was fulfilling some sort of, of dark, bloody prophecy. Ooh. What if Leon didn't actually kill his family? What if Benny did it? As, like, yeah. some occult practice, but then framed Leon, and Leon got set away, and then when he escaped, he was getting revenge on Benny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now, that's why his ghost wanders around, because he is ashamed of what he did, because now his family's dead, too. <laughs> I think it was definitely part of someone's dark machinations. I really like my conspiracy theory here. I'm going to go with it. I'm going to go write a blog post online so it starts getting spread around like truth. It takes a lot of bloody axe murder in order to raise the spirit of d the demon Lord Barbatos. That's all mm -hmm. I'm saying. Yeah. 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 Astaroth, not so bad. You, you, only one or two. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But if you murder, what? How many kids did he have again? Four? <laughs> yeah. Murder three people and then five people. That's totally enough bodies. No, you just need one more. It didn't work, obviously. They need oh, one more family. They need one more family. A third family. Be very careful when you're reading this PDF with, with his history of the world. Because you will be driven uh, uh, to gibbery madness. You may or may not murder a family with an axe. Which, if you do, has the capacity to raise uh, uh, the, the spirit of Demon Lord Barbatos to again walk the earth. Rose Baron did it wrong. She misread axe as arsenic. Oh, okay. It's it's an easy, easy mistake. Anyone could make it. <laughs> there was a smudge, and she, she thought it had many more letters than it did. It was a really long smudge. <laughs> she dripped some of her arsenic on her recipe, and then it was bled. And so did they. Bum, bum, bum. No, they didn't, because she didn't <laughs> use an axe. They just puked a lot, probably. <laughs> I don't actually know what happens to you when you have arsenic. Usually comedy ensues, but that's just, you know, when Cary Grant's involved. <laughs> I mean, usually you end up in a cabinet. Mm -hmm. 
But I don't know what happens between that and the cabinet. The the window seat. The window seat, yes. That's a cabinet. It's just low. (laughs) Window seats are just low cabinets. Yeah. This is an educational show. There you go. It's a cabinet that faces upward. You're blowing my mind, dear. (laughs) I know. You're blowing my mind. I know. That's that's the spookums for you this time. <laughs> Three haunted buildings within Detroit, Michigan. Yes. Hockey Town. One of these is very close, actually, to Little Caesars Arena. <laughs> I, it might be actually the Masonic Temple and the other one, I think, now that I'm thinking about it. But yes, very close. <laughs> oh, it's actually, it is the other one, because I remember uh, reading about the apartment building. Mm-hmm. The Alhambra. Yes. Um, that because it's sat abandoned for so long and it's in this area that's being built back up with the new stadiums and all that. It's like, what will its future hold? Um, and apparently they can't really just like redo it because like the foundation has started to crumble and the building started to sink and tilt. Load bearing ghosts. That's what it is. Right? Those ghosts. They're just so heavy. <laughs> they really need to like Exercise. space out. And, no, I was gonna uh, say they ex- just... exercise the spirits. Uh, 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 uh. I was just gonna say they need to like spread out a little. They don't gotta like all cuddle <laughs> in one spot. Ghosts love to cuddle. A recent t- Twitter poll showed that. Uh, uh, What's well, all those drafts? Two out they of just, three. They just go through them. Two out of three people would cuddle a ghost. Depends on the ghost. Are we talking like Casper the friendly ghost? I hope he's not too friendly. Because he looks like a soft, fluffy pillow. You're spoken for. <laughs> He's also like 12. Yeah, it's real creepy that you want to cuddle this child. I actually hated that movie as a kid. It was far too sad. <laughs> what is sad about the Casper the Ghost movie? I mean, I guess it centers around a dead kid. That's pretty sad. Yeah. It, it was always when he was, like, telling the story of, like, why he died, how he died, and how he went sledding too much. And he had too much fun with his dad that he died of the cold. And I hated that. Like, I was like, I could watch, like, a certain portion of the movie, and then I'm like, no, we're getting to that point. I'm done. Am it's I okay. right? I think you'll, that's how he died. You'll always have Stretch, Stinky, and Fatso to, to comfort you in these dark times. Someone's going to like correct me and be like, that's not how he died. And with that, we're going to take a break. We're going to be back with some letters. And, and hey, we're back. Hello, everybody. Hello. I forgot to ask. Yeah? What'd you learn? Not much. All right, time for letters. (laughs) Rude. Our first letter comes in from Kristen, and their favorite anarchist, which is a thing we asked, is Emma Goldman, someone who's come up as a a side character, you might say, in a few of our episodes. Mm -hmm. Emma Goldman's uh, essays are an inspiration for Kristen's own anarchist ideals. The pandemic has affected Kristen's life by making it a, a whole lot more annoying to finish their college degree. It, it inspired a change in schools, which is a, a bureaucratic mess and uh, has, has made things a lot more complicated, unfortunately. So best of luck with that. Uh, and just a general interesting fact. So thank you for writing in, uh, Kristen. Uh, Isaac wrote 
in and congratulated us on our move. Yes. That's part of the reason why we've been gone. That's one month worth of the two-month break. Life got busy. <laughs> uh, Isaac decided to answer the prompt this week that was not provided. Literally, did Isaac know that it was actually for months, but whatever. <laughs> uh Isaac's favorite podcast is called History Honeys. Oh, I'll have to check that one out. Uh, because Isaac gets to hear their you know, their name said mm-hmm. a lot. Isaac. It's also apparently we're interesting and educational. So, uh, like, thanks. If anybody wants to hear their name read on a podcast, they should listen to this and change their name to Moki. Moki! <laughs> thanks, Isaac. She's asleep. Finally in the bed I bought her that she won't sleep in at night. Maybe there's ghosts in the bed. Is Maybe. the bed haunted? But, but we determined that ghosts are good to cuddle. Moki, I'm very confused by your actions. Great Joe wrote in after listening through uh, uh, the show and getting near current, more than halfway. Uh, <laughs> so here's a bit of an older prompt. Favorite kidnapper, theirs is Ridley of, of the Space Pirates of the Metroid video game oh, franchise. Oh, yes. yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. How, how would you describe Ridley? a space pirate yeah physically it's a ghost <laughs> i don't know <laughs> ridley's a big purple space dragon that, that screeches and oh yeah. okay yeah. i don't know these things <laughs> great joe's favorite food mascot is mr tato what is mr tato uh, there are two Mr. Tatoes. There's the the uh, Republic of Ireland's Mr. Tato, also known as Free Stato, and uh, Free Stato, and uh, the the Mr. Tato of Northern Ireland, Nordy Mr. Tato. That one doesn't have as good a ring to it. Free Stato is is egg shaped with noodly arms and a big pleasant smile, while Nordy Tato is uh, has this toothy yawning grin that kind of looks like the the Burger King mask. From those classic ads. Why didn't they just call him Mr. Nortato? <laughs> what? Because what? both of these mascots represent the same company. These are nicknames given to them by the people. Because there's two different designs for the two different I, countries I know, they serve. But Nordy Mr. Tato is not a good name. Well, you tell that to the people of, of the, the great island of it's, Ireland. I'm sorry, it's just not as catchy as Free Stato. I feel like you let yourselves down. <laughs> as with all things with a, a division, as uh, um, inconsequential as this one may be, there is a rivalry between the fans of the two Tato, of the twin Tatos. I mean, obviously. I, you've already picked your side, so yeah, obviously. That's a better that is name. <laughs> so thanks for that, great Joe. Uh, fish writes in. Oh, uh, the concept of fish. Fish and uh, their friends recently uh, actually discussed Sacco and Venzetti on the Old Colony cast, uh, which is a Plymouth area history and cultural podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, both the Bridgewater and Braintree robberies, the, the factories that were involved in them, have been torn down. Uh, but the shoe factory uh, that Sacco worked at is still standing, but it's now a real estate building. And uh, remember how we talked about how, like, Man, there's so many shoe factories. There are so many shoe factories. There was an organized crime gang that just robbed shoe factories. Well, according to Fish, shoe factories were huge business in Massachusetts during the 19th and 20th century. And at one point, more than half of the shoes sold in the U.S. were made there. They, they would know uh, Fish is from Bridgewater. Yes. 
So thank you for sharing and thank answering you. our questions about shoes. Keep breathing that water, fish. Thank you. Uh, Rebecca writes in, also doing a bit of a catch-up themselves. So here's a lightning round of prompts from Rebecca. Favorite cheese, smoked gouda. Favorite robot, Moe, the little cleaning <gasps> robot from Wally. Yes, Moe's awesome. Favorite mineral, wolfenite. Although, after listening to other people talk about bismuth in our letter responses, yeah. Rebecca might have her loyalties swayed. The most recent book Rebecca read was the novelization of Metal Gear Solid 2 Sons of Liberty, which, uh, uh, ironically, did not take very many liberties with the story. Oh. And Rebecca's favorite thing that happened in 2020 was getting married. Aww. Congratulations. Thanks, Rebecca. And thank you for future-proofing your letter in case you're not caught up in time for us to ask it in just a few months. Yes. That's very clever. Yeah. And thank you, everyone, for writing. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being patient. But we missed you. We thought about you. <laughs> Uh, if you would like to keep in touch with us, uh, uh, whether we have new episodes coming or not, you can do that <laughs> on social. I like that you're not promising anything. <laughs> I've decided to stop promising an update schedule. But there are, as always, ways to get in touch with us, mm -hmm. to, to get in touch with one another, to be part of the conversation. Yes. Ways like sending us an email. Podcast at gmail.com. That's where you, you can share your stories, your questions. We did have a pronunciation correction come in. Yeah. Uh, also, you know, factual corrections. Very, very welcome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can answer prompts. You can answer prompts. Do you, for, do you have a prompt? For our next episode, I would like to hear people's favorite plant. Plant? Favorite plant. Well, mine's do Mr. Prickle Plant, who died. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry about your cactus troubles, dear. I kept him alive for three years, and then he just turned to mush. It's very sad. And again, that address is historyhoneyspodcast at gmail.com. You can also do a bunch of lovely social things on social media. We are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And those are all at History Honeys. You can also leave us a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you download our podcast. It's yeah. a nice thing to do. Did you know that this show is on is available on Spotify? What? This show, History Honeys, is available on Spotify. I did not know that we were on Spotify. You know how you just found out about us on Spotify? Word of mouth. It's a very valuable tool. You should go tell your friends. <laughs> yeah. So tell those friends. Leave those rating and reviews. Send us an email. Riverdale is returning on January 20th. So we probably are too. So uh, keep an eye out for the, the proper return of Sex Archie in late January. But I'm going to try to squeeze at least one bonus episode out before then. We can do that. Okay. I would like to point out that I... Have I, it on record, folks. You heard her say it. I totally was wearing my Jughead hat this morning for my all-staff Halloween call at work. And uh, then the announcement came out. So I like to think that I have caused it. You're all welcome. Or you can blame her. Either way. We'll see how the season goes. Either way. <laughs> I have no expectations. So with that, I'm Grant. I'm Elena. And history's better with, with your honey. honey.